Littleton Coin Company is ringing in the holiday season with daily deals. Visit littletoncoin.com for at least 15% off select products now through November 28th. Save on your favorite coins, such as Morgan Silver Dollars, Kennedy Half Dollars, Commemorative Quarters, and much more. But hurry, each day offers a new deal you don't want to miss. Visit us now at littletoncoin.com. That's littletoncoin.com. Littleton Coin Company, serving collectors since 1945. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's go, y'all. Let's make this confession of faith together. I'm ready to hear. Then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, speak to us today with clarity. Speak to us today with power. Move by your spirit today. Father, we thank you for being in our midst even in our homes. Father, we thank you that while we may not be able to all gather in a building, we thank you that your presence meets us in our homes, in our automobiles, in our places of employment, wherever we are at today. We say, meet us here. Can I get you to open your mouth and say, Lord, meet us right here. Meet. And your word declares that wherever your spirit is, that's where there's liberty, that's where there's freedom. So be with us today, Lord. Set us free today. Use this word to transform our minds, to transform our spirits. Why? So that at the end of it, you get all the glory. Get the glory out of our mountain. Get the glory out of our valley. Get the glory out of the good. Get the glory out of the gutter. We live so that you can get the glory. In Jesus' name, can I get everybody to say, Lord, I'm ready to receive Let's go. So, guys, we're in this series that all of us call Bad Boys. We've been using men from the Bible that had to conquer enemies while simultaneously conquering their enemy, and they had to do both of them at the same time. Listen, many times in life, you want to deal with either or. You either want to deal with somebody that's messing with you, or you want to take time to deal with you. Consequently, you end up not making very much progress on either side. What do you mean, Bishop? Have you ever thought you solved one problem to only step back and go back to another problem and realize that that issue has had regression? People say it like this. For every two steps, I take four. Then I get knocked back three. For every one I take, then I get knocked back. What I need you to understand is this is that we have to deal with both our enemy and our enemy at the same time. Somebody say both of them at the same time. In fact, that's what makes you good because you learn how to cross stray. What do you mean? You got to deal with something in front of you and something in you at the same time. If you ever looked at any superheroes, my favorite everybody knows is Batman. I like Batman because Batman didn't have superpowers. Batman just watched me. He just has super skill. What do you mean? Batman would deal with one up front and one behind him at the same time. He would deal with something in front of him and something behind him at the same time. He would deal with the Joker and the Penguin at the same time. I need you to catch this because many times in life you feel overwhelmed because you think you're supposed to have the luxury of dealing with either or instead of both of them. And I need you to realize you got a both of them anointing. What does that mean? Baby, I can deal with me and handle my haters at the same time. I can deal with me and handle my enemies at the same time. I can deal with what's going on inside of me and deal with what's going on around me at the same time. I need some of you to stop, uh, stop crying, stop having a pity party, put your tissues away because you're mad that you got to deal with you and them. Baby, you're grace to do it. Somebody say, I got it, I got it, I got it. So listen, the last two messages were about King Saul, and he was the first king of Israel. Saul, we learned, his name means borrowed or asked for. Two revelations there. The first is, we are all living on borrowed time. Say borrowed time. Listen, your time is not your time. Your time is borrowed time. Uh, your life doesn't belong to you. The greatest mistake you could ever make is thinking that you run you. 
What does that mean, run you? Uh, many people in the world today, they are so busy trying to live out their passions and what they want and what they want to do, but they do not realize you weren't created for you. You were created to solve a problem. You were literally sent to the earth by God to be the solution to a problem in the earth, which means you attract problems. You attract problems because you're sent to solve them. You missed what I just said. You attract problems because you're sent to solve them. I need you to stop saying what's so bad about me and realize there's something incredibly amazing about you. And that is that you are sent to solve problems. Can I get you to make that declaration and say, I'm a problem solver. I'm a... Yeah, not only, watch me, am I living on borrowed time, but Saul's name also means asked for. What does that mean? The children of Israel, the Hebrews, they asked for a king. God did not want to give them a king. He said, let me be your king. But they said, watch this, the other nations have kings, make us like them. You have to be careful that you're not praying to have what somebody else has because you don't know what they paid to get it. Y'all miss what I just said. You better stop sitting up being jealous of people you see on social media. You don't know the hell they had to go through to pay for that. Matter of fact, let me say this. Don't you ever judge anybody's harvest unless you've checked their seed. Because you may be angry and jealous over what I'm reaping. But baby, you didn't see what I was sowing. You didn't see my tears. You didn't see my heartache. You didn't see my suicidal moments. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Don't you judge a harvest unless you have first observed the seed. Saul was asked for. He was asked for, watch this, because they wanted to be like everybody else. And that's weird to me about Christians. Why you want to be like everybody else? Little so-and-so doing this, little so-and-so doing this, so-and-so doing that. I thought we were supposed to change the world, not be like the world. I thought we were supposed to be salt, which means we the ones that put the flavor on it. We don't let them put flavor on us. I wish God's people would stop trying to be cheap knockoffs of something God ain't even in. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, we are his church. We are. That me. I'm not trying to be no cheap knockoff of some person I saw on internet, some person I saw on Instagram. I'm not trying to be nobody else. They are trying to be like us. In fact, if you even look at culture, everything in culture is a cheap knockoff of the church. But sometimes God's people want to be cheap knockoff of the world. What do you mean? Look at the nightclub. When you go to the nightclub, watch me. Everybody gets dressed up to go. Where they get that from? Y'all ain't gonna say that to me. Everybody looks their very best to go. Where they get that from? When you get in there, everybody's dancing. What's me? What's what, what's that called? That's called kara. That means to dance. That's praise. They lift up their hands when they like a good song. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. They throw them in the air and they wave them like they just don't care. Where they get that from? That's yada. That's toda. That's praise. Whenever you got an issue, you go to the bartender and you tell them about your issues. Well, who's that? That's the pastor. And you know what he serves? Spirits. Come on here. Everything about the world is a cheap knockoff from the church. Would you open your mouth and say, we're not imitating the world. Say, the world is going to imitate us. I prophesy when people see you, they're going to want to be just like you. They're going to want to serve your God. They're going to want to worship the way you worship, pray the way you pray, and do what you do when you do what you do, how you do it, when you do it. Somebody say, we don't want to be like the world. God's people, they, they, they in an affront to God. They said, God, give us a king like the other nations have. The other nations have a king. Give us a king because we want to be like them. And God says, what you don't get is you're not like them. See, some of y'all keep praying, Lord, I just want a marriage like that. No, you, you, need, to, you need to not want it like that because you don't know all of what it is. All you see is the highlights. You didn't see the whole game. Y'all ain't see it. Uh, watch me, watch me. So he's asked for. He, Saul is described as the most handsome man in Israel, but check this out. Despite being physically attractive, he's insecure his entire life because, watch me, he's developed nothing inside, hear me, nothing inside to secure him. See, that's what insecure means. There's nothing in you to secure you. <laughs> Which means you have to measure your success based on what you have because there's nothing in you that's of any value to you. I'm going to back that up so that you catch it. Saul is insecure. There's nothing in him to secure him. So he often worries about how it looks instead of who he really is. And this is what we have going on in culture today. We, most people are concerned about the optics, not the reality. You even had companies this last week that when the optics were bad for them, they came out and changed their stance on certain things but, but, but my issue is, is the only reason you changed that is because people said something. It's not really in you to do that in the first place. 
which means you are insecure. There's nothing in you that secures you. See, when you are secure, watch me, you may not have nothing but $15, but when you walk in security, you'll say, I'm a faithful giver, and the God that provides for me, he don't even need money. He gives me something called favor, and favor is preferential treatment. Money can buy you a doctor. Favor will get you help. Money can buy you a lawyer. Favor will get you justice. Insecure. There's nothing in him. To secure him. So because there's nothing in him to secure him, the only thing he's concerned about is how it looks. You know people like that. Listen, don't say nothing. I don't want nobody thinking. Stop. You're insecure. Don't y'all go around there saying nothing to them. I don't want them folks thinking, mm, stop. You're insecure. See, the danger with insecurity, watch me, is, is that you will often worry about how it looks instead of how it really is. And look at this. And even after being anointed king, look at Saul's insecurity. First Samuel 10, 22, it's on the screen. So they inquired again of the Lord. He's just been anointed to be king. Is there a man still to come? Saul started hiding because when you're insecure, you only talk to talk. You can't walk to walk. You talk about how what you would do if you had power. Then when you get it, you don't know what to do with it. You talk about what you would do if you were in charge of the church, but then you get a little bit of power and don't even know what to do with that. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. You talk about what you do if you were to supervise, and then they let you leave for a little bit, and then you crash and burn. Watch me. Saul liked the idea. Watch me. He, liked, he was infatuated with the idea of looking a certain way. But then, watch me, at, even after he's anointed to be king, they say, where is he at? He's hiding. Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, somebody say, the Lord said. The Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself where? Among the baggage. When you're insecure, you hide amongst baggage. Your baggage literally becomes your dwelling place. It becomes where you live. You literally spend your whole life dealing with issues and then you die. You miss that. And I need you to hear me why that's important because that's not going to be your story. Ooh, you miss me right there. That's not going to be your story. Watch me. I came to call every single person that's watching me or hearing me right now out of your baggage. What's your baggage? It represents all of the things that you had to pack from your past. Everything you had to pack from your past, your bad relationships, your family struggles, your insecurities, your idiosyncrasies, your nuances, everything you had to pack from your past, we put it in baggage and we carry that baggage around year after year, month after month. But today, I need you to open your mouth like today you walking out of this experience baggage free. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh, y'all play with me. I need you to open up your mouth like you're about to unpack every piece of baggage. Baggage from your teen years, baggage from your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. Somebody say, I'm unpacking. Listen, whenever, watch me. Can I, can I give you revelation here? Whenever you have bags packed, it's an indication you don't plan to, watch me, be committed. You know why we don't often unpack our bags at a hotel? We ain't staying there. And this is the danger of, watch me, dealing with people, watch me, that have a lot of baggage they have not dealt with, is, watch me, they won't stick around because they never unpack their bags. They didn't plan on sticking around because they, watch me, they still got their bags packed because they are getting, watch me, they expect that you are going to do them like the stuff that's in their bags have done them. So what ends up happening, watch me, is insecurity. Somebody say insecurity. It makes you irrational, uh, number one. It makes you irrational, irrational. In other words, your thinking doesn't even make sense. Saul, you've just been anointed to be king. Why are you hiding? The very nature of a king means you've got to be in front of people, which means you're going to have to learn how to be talked about because that's what happens when you're a public figure. Y'all better hear that. There are certain things that come with your seat. See, you shouldn't have been so good at what you do and wouldn't nobody say nothing. But since you're good at what you do, that means you become a target for everybody that can't do it like you do it. Ooh, but I need you to say, watch me do it. He's irrational. Then watch me. And secondly, when you're insecure, you are also indecisive. You don't make decisions, watch me, in an effective way. You vacillate. You go back and forth. You're considering things that don't matter. You're worried about appearances instead of realities. So you're indecisive. Well, I don't know if I'm going to do this because this. Well, I don't know if I want to do this because this. I don't know if I did. Well, child, I'm trying. Well, I don't know. But, uh, and you're indecisive. Saul is indecisive. Dude, you've just been anointed to be king. The Bible says, we learned in the last two messages, you have literally been given another heart and turned into another man. Question, why would God go through the process of transforming you for you to not be triumphant? Like, seriously, like, why go through everything you've gone through to just be who you were? 
Why go through everything you've gone through to just be some average somebody? I came to speak to the king in you. I came to speak to the priest in you. Revelation 5.10. And he makes us kings and priests. It means he makes us successful and spiritual. Somebody say, I'm both of them. I'm He's irrational. He's indecisive. And here's the last thing, and perhaps the most deadly. Hear me, Christians. Please look at me, because this is where most Christians get tied up, wrapped up, jacked up, right here. It makes them insubordinate. When you are insecure, you're insubordinate. Because of your lack of security in you, you can possibly have security about another person telling you something to do. Y'all ain't going to talk. Let's go. He's insecure. Somebody say insecure. Can I get about 50 of y'all to type that on the various chats? Say insecure, insecure. Say it again, say insecure. His insecurity makes him insubordinate. What is an insubordinate person? Insubordinate. In, not, sub, under, ordinance. Not under any ordinance. You are not under any cover. You are not under any leader. You are not under any system. You are not under any protocol. You are not under any order. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, let me tell you why that's so powerful. Because his insubordination makes Saul disobey God's instructions. Watch me. Two times. His instructions come by way of Samuel. Samuel's the man of God. He's the prophet. He speaks to God's people on behalf of God. He speaks to Saul, gives Saul instructions, and Saul defies those instructions two times. God even gives Samuel a second chance. And what do we learn on Wednesday? It's not really just a second chance. It's a another chance. Can I just get you to take, watch me, just three seconds to thank God, not for the second chance. We use that one about 10 seconds after the first one. For the another, 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 another. I need somebody to just say, thank you for giving me another chance. When I got up this morning, I got mercies that were brand new. When I got up this morning, I got grace that was brand new. What is mercy when he blocks the negative you do deserve? What is grace when he gives you something good you don't? You're not here because of how good you are. You're here because God gave you another chance. Say another chance. You would think that after being given another chance, you would stop being insecure which is stop your irrational behavior, stop your indecisiveness, and stop you from being insubordinate. That didn't happen with Saul. So in 1 Samuel 15, 28, God's like, I got something for you. Here it is. And Samuel said to them, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you. Now, when did he get it? He just got it. But he's already proven it's too much for him. Look at me. Sometimes you get angry with people because they can't produce what you expect. But, but watch me. But it's not their fault once you know that. It's your fault that you didn't tear it from them. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. It's your fault that you gave them your heart after they proved they could handle it. It's your fault that you gave them your trust after they proven they could not be trusted. It's not their fault. God looked at Saul and he's like, you're not going to listen. Okay, let me give you another chance though. Oh, you're just not going to do it. Everybody, please look at me. Some of you right now, you're bitter right now. And I pray that bitterness come out of you right now. I pray you release it. Because you were literally angry at people for not producing. When watch, when, watch me, even God doesn't do that. When God sees you ain't going to do right by it, he says, I'm going to need to get that up off of you. Oh, my God. Even God says, Saul, you can't be, tr- I love you, but you can't be trusted with this position. I love you, but you can't be trusted with this place. Who is in your life right now that you keep being mad at? And it's not their fault. It's your fault because you should have torn the kingdom from them. <laughs> I could run. I feel like the I could leap through a troop right there. There's some people, you are mad and you're angry. What you need to do is reduce the position they play in your life. They can't carry the ball, so let them block. And if they can't block, bench them. You're getting mad because they cannot give you what you want. And so you walking around. Look at me. You walking around with a bad attitude all the time. You walking around mad all the time. Can I tell the truth? Often we do that. I've been guilty of that. We've all been guilty of that. We're mad and all we need to do is change. You are sitting up mad, walking around with an attitude, walking around irritable, walking around, got to pop your neck all the time. When what you need to do is make a change. I'm there about 50 of y'all to type that on the screen. Make a change, make a change, make a change, make a change, make a change. God says, Saul, you can't be trusted because you're insubordinate. 
So I'm not going to be irritable against my people because of you. So what does he say? First Samuel 15, 28. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has what? Torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day. And he's given it to this neighbor of yours. Watch this line. Who's better than you? Now, who's speaking? Samuel. Why does Samuel do that? He's petty. Petty, when I say it, so you know, it doesn't mean it in a bad way. When I say petty, it just means something was added that didn't have to be added, but it was added for effect. It's like, listen, I ain't going to say nothing, but you know she can't, you know. Come on, y'all, come on. Anybody done that? Wave at me, wave at me. Put the hand, wave at me. You know, like, listen, well, I ain't got nothing to say about them, but she can't cook, no how. Like, I thought you said you didn't have nothing to say. So you just added something for emphasis. Come on. So when I say petty, that's what I mean by petty. So let's look at the scripture again. Samuel says to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom. Whose decision is that? God's. He says, and he's given it to your neighbor. Now that's, watch me. Saul is already insecure. So what does Samuel do? Samuel throws it in his face. Everybody look at me. God will throw certain things in your face and say, I need you to deal with that. Because watch. Even after Samuel says this, Samuel's given over 14 years to repent and keep the throne. He's given over 14 years to repent and keep the throne, which means God was like, I am throwing it in your face so you deal with it so you act right next time. There are certain things God throws in your face and he's like, listen, I, I, listen, I really want to keep you on, but I need you to get it together. And I need you to prophesy to yourself. Say your first name. Say, you getting it together these last six. Come on. You Say, you getting it together these next six. Come on, y'all. Say, you getting it together this decade. Say, I'm getting it together. So watch Samuel's petty. The Lord has turned the kingdom of Israel from you this day, and he has given it to this neighbor of yours. That's throwing it in the face of his insecurity. He's giving it to a nameless, faceless person who's your neighbor. Check this out. You're king. You have no neighbors. Which means Samuel's intentionally throwing his insecurity in his face. Giving him an opportunity to conquer his inner me. You cannot conquer what's not, watch me, what you cannot first conceive. What does that mean? If I don't see this thing, then I can't conquer this thing. And this is the enemy that many times people face is because you're trying to conquer inner me stuff that you have suppressed and kept in your baggage. So God unpacks the bags and say, look at what's in you so that I can deal with it. And you know what most people want to do? I just want to release that to the Lord. And God is like, no, I'm the one that released it to you so you can see it. I just don't want to talk about it right now. God is like, no, I absolutely want to talk about it. Matter of fact, I'm the one that made them call you at an inopportune time so that you would have to deal with it because you won't deal with it unless I throw it in your face. I need some of y'all to just thank God that he knows how to throw stuff up in your face. In the face. And he's given to this neighbor of yours, watch Saul's or Samuel's petty, who's better than you. He, he, said, he said, there's somebody, Saul, that's better than you. Everybody else has told you how great you are. He said, but Saul, I need to tell you the truth. The truth is your insecurity has made you so arrogant that you think nobody else can do this. So what I'm going to do is give it to somebody else. Watch me. Who is a fraction of your age. But his heart is right. Y'all ready? Saul has 14 plus years to repent. How many? I need you to catch that. Because God, listen to me, because God didn't just instantly take it from him. God announced, hey, I'm going to take it. But I'm not taking it yet. Get yourself together. Repent. What does that mean? Change how you think. Stop this insecurity mess. Stop being irrational. Stop being indecisive. And stop this insubordination stuff. Some of you, God had that conversation with you in 92. 88, 74, 68, 55, 41. And here's what happens. Because, look at me please, because God does not make immediate judgment, you think that he accepts what he already told you to change. God is like, no. So here's what God does. I like God. Because remember on Wednesday, it was Saul's confessions. So 
Sometimes you just got to get stuff out. You just got to get on somebody's couch and have a little therapy. <sighs> Everyone always told me, this is Saul. Everyone always told me how good looking I am. You know, they say I'm the most handsome man in Israel. That's what Saul said. <sighs> I'm just so sick of people just wanting me for my body. <sighs> I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for the throne. I want to go home. And God says, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. Here's solvent therapy. <sighs> so dad wants to take the kingdom. <sighs> you know, it's hard being a king. I have so many decisions to make. I have to tell people what to do. They don't even respect me. They, they <laughs> when I was anointed king, would you believe this, Doc? When I was anointed king, a few worthless fellows didn't even bring me anything. Here's the doctor. Why are you concerned about worthless people? <laughs> if you the king, be the king. <laughs> Why are you letting average mess with your altitude? Why are you letting your cursed family folk mess with your progress? <laughs> He's like, oh. <sighs> so much. You know what? They didn't even bring me an offering. It was appreciation month, and they didn't even do nothing. But they always be in my face, though. So this is Saul talking. And Saul's like, Saul's like, I just don't understand it. This is so much. And so Saul's giving his confessions. Watch me. But all of his confessions, watch me, are nothing he ever takes action on. So he talks about what he should do what he wants to do, what he would do, but he never does it. So at the same time that God makes that declaration in 1 Samuel 16, 1, if you look on the screens, how many years did he have to repent? 14. That's two cycles of completion. That's two cycles of completion. Seven means what? Completion. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, all as well. God says, I'm going to give you two cycles because I'm into giving you multiple chances. So God says to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? Listen, it could have been amazing. It could have been great. But I've rejected him. Look at me from being king over Israel. I don't reject him. I just don't trust him in that spot anymore. I gave him 14 years. And he didn't handle what I gave him. So I got to take it. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have, please catch this, provided for myself a king amongst his sons. What does Saul's name means? Borrowed and asked for. So here's what God is saying. I gave you what you'd asked for so you'd appreciate what you really need. Sometimes God answers your prayers and say, that's what you asked for. How you like that? So that when he gives you what you need, you will appreciate it. Y'all still here? He says, I picked the king that I want this time. Y'all got what y'all asked for last time. And for some of you, you got the job you asked for. You got the relationship you asked for. You got the car you asked for. You got the house you asked for. You got what you asked for. But watch me. In the next six, God's going to give you what you need. I prophesy to your life. Hands up. I prophesy to your life that in the next six, you wouldn't just get what you asked for, but you would get exactly what you need. God is providing for you. God is providing for you. God is providing for Somebody say, for me. Look at verse 10. Let's skip down. So Jesse is David's father. Here it is. We're introduced to the replacement. Because Saul couldn't get his confessions to turn into action, he's now replaced. He's replaced. He's replaced. Everybody, help, let me help you understand that. God didn't stop the kingdom because one man didn't want to do right. Just like you can't stop your life because one person don't want to do right. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I can't do nothing. You better get up and keep it moving. I'm not going to be able to. You better get up and keep it moving. Y'all ready? So look at this. So verse 10. And Jesse made how many of his sons? Seven of his sons passed before Samuel. Seven. 
Seven. There it is again. Somebody say seven. Seven means what? Completion. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen what? Any of these. Everybody look at me. Say David was delayed. While they were going through those seven, David was delayed. Because David's not there. Why is that important to understand? While you are in delay, watch me, you are supposed to prepare. I'm going to say it again. While you are in delay, you're supposed to prepare. Some of y'all are saying, well, I'm just waiting to get this. I'm just waiting to get that. I'm just waiting to get this. I'm just waiting to get that. I'm waiting on this to come in. I'm waiting on that to come in. I'm waiting on this to come in. I'm waiting on that to come in. And what you need to understand is that while you are in delay, somebody say, I'm supposed to get ready. Because any moment you're going to be sent for. Okay, I, I, I don't understand why y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I said any moment you're going to be sent for. I'm going to see if I can say it a third time and you act like you heard what I said. Any moment you're going to be sent for. Why is that important to understand, Bishop? Because look, verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, it's on the screen, y'all read it. There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send for him. I'm not sitting down until he comes. Please look at me for just a moment. Check this out. Samuel asked Jesse a question. Say to ask. Four types of prayer. (laughs) The first of those is to ask, which is to pray for yourself. Please look at me for just a moment. Everything you need is present but not clearly seen, which is why we pray. Everything they needed for the kingdom was there. They just didn't clearly see it. So what did he do? He asked, which means he prayed. Please catch it. He asked, which means he prayed. He asked, which means he prayed. This is why I I, I speak to us, church, that you would not watch me treat Monday night prayer like a casual thing. Why? Because everything you need, you have. It's just not clearly seen. So because it's not clearly seen, you may be thinking, oh, God, I need this. Oh, God, I need that. And that's what prayer does. Prayer will show you, there you go. I need you to open up your mouth and say, there it goes. Right there. Listen, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. Here it is. His current pasture is preparation for the palace. His current pasture is preparation for the palace. Look at me. Say, I haven't wasted time. Mm -mm, You didn't really say it with any conviction. Can you say it with some conviction? Say, I haven't wasted time. Here's the truth. You have, but because you believe in the Lord, he redeemed it. See, the truth is we have, but watch me. He makes all things work, so he takes your wasted time so you can catch up time. I remember flying on a plane one time, and we left like an hour late. I mean, I was heated. I was hot. We left an hour late. We sat out there on that tarmac for an hour, and as we sat there, we waited. And here's something with the pilot said. The pilot said, you'd think we'd be an hour late to our destination. He says, but we'll make up for that time in the air. He said, we'll catch a tailwind and get there faster. We still got there, watch me, ahead of schedule, even though we left an hour late. I came to prophesy to somebody and tell you on this Sunday morning that even though you've wasted some time, God is going to make up for the time in the air, and you're still going to get there ahead of schedule. Open up your mouth and release a praise for five seconds. Go, five, four. Come on, Atlanta. Come on, Chicago. Come on, Denver. Three, two, one say he's gonna make the time up so for those of you that feel like you wasted your 20s that's okay you're gonna make up for it in the first year of your 30s for those of you that feel like you wasted your 30s that's okay you're gonna make up for it in your 40s those of you feel like you wasted your 40s that's okay you're gonna make up for it in your 50s those of you feel like you wasted your are you getting this yet it does not matter he makes all things work so listen Samuel said I'm not sitting down until he's in the room In other words, I'm holding up the whole situation until David gets here. Because God said the answer's here. So since I haven't seen it yet, that means I'm not done. Which means until I see what I said, I'm not done. Until I see what I said, I'm not done. Until I see what I said, I'm not done. See, quitting is easy because it requires zero effort. But lasting until you see what you said, requires faith. I speak to your faith, just like Jesus did with Peter. 
And I declare your faith will not fail you. 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 Can I get you to say it like this? Say, faith don't fail me now. Say it again. Say, faith don't fail me now. Listen, look at verse 12. And he sent. Somebody say, somebody send it for me. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. I need you to say this thing like you mean to say. Say somebody with power, influence, is sending for me. Let me speak it over our church. Somebody is sending for us. Y'all better say something. Can I get you to stretch your hands towards me? Say somebody is sending for our bishop. Now he was, here it is, I'm almost done. Now he was, watch me, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. <laughs> Who's he replacing? Saul. How is Saul described? Is the most handsome man in Israel. So what does God do to, to give Saul another attempt at his insecurity? He puts a man that got what he got in front of his face. Uh-uh, I need you to catch that. There are certain people where you are in secret competition with, and that's God trying to give you an opportunity to deal with your insecurity. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I'm going to say it again. There are certain people that the truth be told, you look at like, God, why is this happening for them? And why is this happening for them? And why is this happening for them? And why are you doing that? And why are you doing that? And you begin to have this, can I get some honest people that will be honest with me? And you're like, why is this happening for them? Why is that? It's because God will put a David in front of you, Saul, to give you an opportunity to deal with your insecurity. Why does the Bible take the time to tell us he's handsome? Because that's, watch me, that's the same way it describes Saul. So watch me, when God's ready for you to conquer something, he will put you in front of you and say, deal with you. And the you he puts in front of you is in the form of another person that's got what you want. Did you hear what I just said? All right, look, look, he's got beautiful eyes. He's handsome. And the Lord said, get up. Get on up, get up, get on up. A praise machine. You know, these got rubber bottoms. My God. Now y'all let me get some rubber bottom shoes. Listen, he's ready. Beautiful eyes. He's handsome. And the Lord said, get up, anoint him. This is him. Please look at me. In the next six. You're going to look and say, there it is. It's going to be right in front of your face. And it's going to be in your hands. What's the it? Whatever you've been praying for, whatever you've been believing for, whatever you've been seeking God for, I'm going to tell you in the next six, you're going to say, get up, get on up. There it is. This is he. This is he. He wasn't in the room, so you had to pray for him. So you, watch me, so you'd be able he was present, but not in the room. He was present, but not in the room. He was present, but not in the room. So, Samuel, you had to pray so that he could be brought into the room. So what are you trying to tell me, Bishop? I'm trying to tell you that there are certain things that, watch me, are not going to happen absent prayer. Your skill ain't going to make it happen. Samuel's prophetic gift could make it happen. Here's, you missed me. His gift couldn't make it happen. Some of you think, but I got this gift, I got this gift. At this stage, there are certain things God says, yeah, it's not happening absent prayer. I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, Lord, give me the passion to pray. Say it again. Say, Lord, give me the passion to pray. Look at verse 12. And he sent, brought him in. He was ready, beautiful eyes, handsome. The Lord said, arise, anoint him. This is he. Look at verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Here's what I want you to see. In front of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Say anoint. Where do we get anointing oil from? The crushing of an olive. Here's what this really means. Two things. God anoints him to be king while another man's in the seat. Which means there are certain things that seem like it's not going to happen for you. Because somebody's just simply placeholding right now. 
that preached to me. It seems like it's not going to happen because you're like, there's no way. God is like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's just a placeholder right there. I'm having them warm your, ah! I'm having them warm your seat up. So when you sit down, it ain't going to be like cold leather in the middle of a Colorado winter. Somebody say, somebody's getting my seat ready. Come here. Somebody's getting your new office ready. Somebody's getting your new house ready. Somebody's getting your new car ready. Somebody's getting the right relationship ready. Somebody's... Somebody's getting your business ready. You better go down to Cherry Creek and walk around and say, that's going to be my office there. That's going to be my retail there. That okay, okay, okay. You ready? Can I go this? Can I get into this? Look. So one, he does it in front of his brothers. But then two, you have to crush the olive to get the oil. Look at me. Which means God wanted his brothers to see his struggle. God wanted his brothers to see his struggle. I'm going to say it again because some of you aren't understanding why God lets other people watch you struggle. <laughs> he sets him in the midst of his brothers and says, now let me crush you. Oil, let me crush you. I'm going to crush you in front of them. Watch me. So that when they see you reign, they'll know it was nobody but me. Because in 14 years, David, it's going to be a little preparation time. In 14 years, David, you're going to, watch me, you're going to sit on the throne. The one that they got passed over for. I need them. Here's what he's really saying. And I can throw my mic right here and I got to finish. You ready? Here's what God is really saying. They couldn't handle the struggle. So I went over them to get to you, David, who's the eighth son. What's eight? A new beginning. I went to you to do something fresh because they couldn't handle it. I need you to hear me. If you got some struggles, God says, I trust you with them. If you got some struggles, God says, I trust you with them. Somebody say, I got this. Say, I can handle this. I got to finish. So let's go. Here's the question. Why David? There are hundreds of thousands of Hebrews that God could have picked. Somebody say, why David? First Samuel 13, 14. The Lord has sought a man after his what? Own heart. Mm. So let's skip over to 1 Samuel 16, 18. What did God want? Somebody after his heart. Not just somebody that knew how to play the part. In life, you often settle for people who played a part but don't have a heart. I needed to do that for me. You settle for people that play the part. They say the right stuff but don't have the right heart. They talk the right talk, but they don't have the right heart. And you got to be careful in the next six that you do not get played mm, by people that know how to play the part but ain't got the heart. Let me prove it to you. The heart will figure it out. Y'all ain't going to talk. The heart will make it happen. Y'all ain't talking. The heart will figure out a way to get that thing done. The heart will say, I don't care what I got to do to make it happen. Watch me do it. The heart will say, oops, I apologize. I made a mistake. Let me get it right. Somebody that plays the part will say the right things and do the right things only because they're playing the part. Not because they had the right heart. Saul played the part. He didn't have the right heart. God says, I want somebody that's got the right heart. So what's in, Je uh, what's in David's heart? It's in 1 Samuel 16, 18. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who's skillful at playing. Everybody look at me. This is one of Saul's servants talking to Saul about David. Saul doesn't realize that David has now been anointed to replace him. Some of you literally have meetings with who you're about to replace. <laughs> Which is why you don't need to be arrogant because God is the one that will change the seats out. Come on. One of the young men answered, I seen the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Look at David. See, when you meet David, all you think he is is a shepherd dealing with dirty sheep. What you don't realize is what he's been doing, preparing while he was in delay. While David was in delay, look at what he started doing. He learned how to play an instrument. Ooh, it got quiet right there. I hope you maximize your last three months of quarantine. Because now it's game time. You can't get ready now. You have to have been ready. All right? S skillful in playing. So he learned how to do what? Play an instrument. Which means he had to be what? Disciplined. Playing an instrument, being a musician, is not a gift. It's a talent. Okay, singing is not a gift. People say, I got the gift of singing. That is not a, that is not a spiritual gift. 
I got the gift of peace. That is not a spiritual gift. I got the gift of love. We're commanded to love. We're commanded to be peacemakers. We're commanded to pray. Those aren't gifts. Those are skills and talents, things that we're commanded to do. Playing, playing, that is not a gift. I'm just gifted. It's just, it, no, no, no. What, what the gift is is that you can play and prophesy when you play. That when you play, because here's what was happening. When, when David got anointed, the Bible says, and the Lord rushed upon David. Where did he leave? Saul. So then the Bible says Saul has a distressing spirit on him from the Lord. And the only thing that can get that distressing spirit off of him is the right music. So the right sound can turn things up around. Y'all ain't going to say nothing today, which is why I knew something significant was going to happen when there was a little bit of a click click in the sound early on in the experience. Why? Because the right sound has the ability to turn things around. You still here? So watch me. So Saul says, y'all, I'm stressed out. I need y'all to do something. One of his servants says, I heard about this boy named David. Saul doesn't know David's been anointed to replace him. Okay, let me move. I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who's what? Skillful in playing. He's a man of what? Valor. That means he knows how to fight. So not only is he a musician, but he's a fighter. What does that mean he's a fighter? I don't mean a fighter where he just fighting everybody because this is the fight. Listen, 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 listen. For, th- for those of us where we wish somebody would, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> and, I, and I'm being funny when I say that, right? You, you know, you ever met somebody looking for a fight? Like driving down the street. Okay, can I be honest? Oh, no, only one person said be honest. So this morning on the way to church, this pickup truck comes behind me. The light turns, and as the light's turning, I'm getting ready to go. Ah! And then got the nerve to try to communicate to me through the mirror. My spirit rose up. And I started trying to figure out what is the, what's the number to dial for irate drivers. And I dialed every number. None of them were. Oh, that's what it is? Dang it, now I know. He got away. And so this morning, so I get agitated. I'm like, dude, I'm on the way to church. You clearly, sir, are not on your way to church. I'm trying to give God glory. You're going to sit here and honk like that at me. And the light just turned. I said, now ain't the time for you to be doing that, sir. Now is not the time for you to be doing that to me. Mm-mm, not today. Not, no, 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 no. You better pick another month. This is too honest. Let me get back to this Bible. And so I rose up, not because I, because I, I needed to go. The light had just turned. But because you, you going to discipline me from your automobile? Now listen, listen, can I be honest? The Lord said, calm down. Calm down. I like, calm down. I like, but he didn't, that was extra. No, it's seriously, guys. It was not, I'm not just being gratuitous. It was extra. Like, he went out of his way to try to let me know something. And the Lord said, calm down. I doubt every which one. 211, I, I said, I ain't dialing 911, but I said, I couldn't figure it out. Now I got it. I said, because he's irate. And then he started scurving and all of this and all of that. You know, and then listen. Okay, I ain't gonna tell y'all what I did because I, I ain't gonna tell you. I ain't gonna tell you. I ain't gonna tell you. So then I slow down. Okay, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Here's the deal. What are you saying? Look at me. Sometimes, everybody look at me. Sometimes you have to make sure you don't get pulled into fights that are distractions. I need, I need about a hundred of y'all to just type, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Some things are sent to distract you and don't deserve your energy. Some things you just need to say, that is, I, mm, mm, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not even going to let it get me. Not even going to let it get me. Somebody say, it's not worth it. You need to tell someone, so that, it ain't going to change nothing. It ain't worth all that. See, David was a man that, watch me, when his sheep were attacked, he said, I beat the lion, I beat the bear. So when it says he's a man of valor, he fought thoughts that were worth fighting. Say, Lord, show me the fights that are worth fighting. Some of y'all just got to email back to get your last word in. It's not even worth it. 
You just got to put a comment on social media because you didn't like what somebody said about something you posted. And you just need to let them know. And you didn't spend 15 minutes typing a post with scriptures and verses and articles. It ain't worth it. Delete that comment. Move on. Some of y'all, I'm just going to put a PSA on my social media let people stop DMing me and say, just don't read them. No, are y'all catching what I'm saying? We all have to do that because sometimes the enemy wants to pull us into fights that aren't fights. So we're not, watch me, we're not men and women of valor. Watch me, we're men and women of distraction. Let's go back to this verse, 1 Samuel 16, 18. He's a man, he's skillful in playing. He's a man of valor. Come on, he's a man of what? War. He's a man that's prudent in speech. He speaks with wisdom. Where did he learn all of this? Dealing with them sheep. Them sheep. And a man of what? Good presence. When you're around him, you feel better. You feel, you feel like you're around authority. You feel like you're around power. And here's the most important part. And the Lord is with him. Say, and the Lord is with him. So check this out. Why David? God says, I'm seeking a man after my own heart. Look at David's heart. He's skillful. That means he's disciplined. Say, Lord, make me disciplined. He's a man of valor. Somebody say he's bold. He's a man of war. Somebody say he's not distracted. Say he fights fights that are worthy of fighting. All right. He's prudent in speech. Say, Lord, give me wisdom when I speak. And then he's a man of good presence. Say, make my presence reflect your presence. When you walk in the office, let the atmosphere change. When you walk into, if you're in healthcare, when you walk on the floor, let all the patients say, child, I feel like I can go on. I... All right. So look, verse 21. And David came to Saul. Oh! What do you do when you and who you're replacing are in the same space? Saul did not know that for the next 14 years, he was about to train David to be king because Saul's insecurity stole the throne from him. I need you to say this. Say, I haven't wasted one moment. Say, I've been prepared to go from pasture to palace. Here's the verse. The verse says, it's right there. And David came to Saul and entered his service. He entered his service. He entered his service. Somebody say he entered his service. Uh-huh. Look at this. Watch his heart. He served before he reigned. So when he reigned, he served. Some people want to reign and you are disqualified for it because you don't serve. You don't have the heart to serve. You think everybody else needs to do everything. Those are normally the people who have the most complaints too. They do nothing to solve them, but they have complaints for everybody about what they need to do to solve them. They're not a part of the solution. They're just a part of the problem. I need you to say this. Say, Lord, make me part of the solution, not the problem. He served before he reigned so that when he reigned, he'd serve. And watch what the Bible says. And Saul loved him greatly. Now you know why Saul started trying to kill him later because then he realized oh you my replacement let me tell you who the people that hate on you are the ones that have recognized you they replacement he says and Saul loved him what greatly and he became his armor bearer David's heart brought him close to Saul David's heart brought him closer to the throne. Which means heart determines what you have. Because heart will determine what you do. David wasn't perfect, oh God. But as a 16-year-old, approximately year old boy, 16 to 17 at this time, David now is placed in this position of power because he's right next to Saul. And then when it's time to fight Goliath, this is like a fun ride at an amusement park. Since we can't go to the music park, you got to learn how to make your own. 
Don't let what you can't do stop you from what you can do. <laughs> Teacups. <laughs> Say from pasture to palace. So here it is. Let's close this out. 2 Samuel 5, 3. So 1 Samuel 16, he enters into service. 2 Samuel 5, 3, watch what the Bible says. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David, you already missed your shout. Last time we read, he's learning how to serve well. Then when we read his story in 2 Samuel 5, his serving, and the greatest among you will be those that serve. His serving now has gotten him promoted to a place where the people come before and they make a covenant with David at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed, please say it with me, they anointed. No, 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 just read the Bible, y'all. And they what? And they anointed David king over Israel. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, y'all ready for your shout? God anoints him in 1 Samuel. They anoint him in 2 Samuel. Here's where I got to close this for the 915. Everybody's about to see what's on you. Everybody's about to see what you've been called to do. Everybody's about to see what you've been anointed to do. Everybody's about to see what you've been graced to do. God says, I did it first, but now the world's about to see you. I did it first, but your boss is about to see you. I did it first, but your company's about to see you. I did it first, but your pastor's about to see you. I did it first, but the world's about to see you. I did it first, but your mama's about to see you. I did it first, but your daddy's about to see you. I did it first, but everybody's about Somebody say, everybody's about to see it. I need you to get up on your feet in your house, and I need you to clap your hands and thank God that everybody's about to see. From pasture to palace, 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 from well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this for me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations.
Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.